song says just praise the Lord oh my soul oh my soul you can go ahead and grab a seat in the presence of God this morning and we're just so so thankful for what God's gonna do in this house matter of fact look at your neighbor and tell him get ready get ready today is gonna be a good day uh, for those of you that have uh, been here with us for a while, maybe this is your first time with us in person or online, we just want to say thank you for worshiping with us this morning. Can we give it up for all of our guests this morning? We're excited that you're here. And there's a few things we want to encourage you to do. Number one, you can text D1TEXT to 84576. You can take out your smart device. You can scan the QR code on the screen. Or we would ask that you grab the Connect card from the seat back in front of you. Please fill it out with as much information as you don't mind us having. And hold on to that card until after service. You can drop it in our giving boxes. But this is the step that we ask that you do. We have our guest reception. We would love to meet you, some of our pastors and our leadership team. If you'll take that Connect card, take it to that space as you exit through the lobby. It'll be on your left. We want to exchange that Connect card for a gift. But can we do this one more time? Can we, can we honor and welcome all of our guests this morning? Thank you for being here. Oh, man, today is going to be a good day. And I was telling the team earlier, all the servant leaders here on our church, that uh, I love Sundays. I love when we get together to give praise to our king. But I want to keep you updated on some things going on. Next Sunday, somebody say next Sunday, is our Grow Track Day to Discover. And some of you may be asking, Pastor Will, what does that mean? It's all of our Grow Track sessions rolled into one. There will be lunch provided. So say you're here today, you've been going to the church for a while, and you haven't gotten it going through Grow Track yet, but you want to know about some of your, uh, your, your spiritual gifts and where you want to serve and all those things. You want to hear more about the vision of this house. I encourage you to go through Grow Track. It's not just where you find things out about yourself. You learn the heartbeat of this house, and we want to encourage you to be a part of that. You get to hear from Pastor Mark and 
Pastor Michelle specifically about what God is doing here and how you can be a part of that. So we ask that if you're interested in doing that, that you scan that QR code so that we have an accurate count because lunch will be provided. But we encourage you this day to discover. That's exactly what it is. It's a day for you to discover all the things that God has called you to do and how you can partner with us here. And that's next Sunday next Sunday. So please, please, please be here for that. But tonight, somebody say tonight is trunk or treat. This is where we, yes, y'all give it up for trunk or treat. We love outreach. We love having the opportunity to serve our city. So a few things we want to encourage you with. It is from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. on the back side of our property, right beside the FLC. But if you're not do, if you're not a trunk host, this is what we ask that you do. We have plenty of ways for you to serve. We ask that you get here by 4 p.m. There are going to be a lot of things that go on tonight. But this is a way for us to love our city. So we ask you not only to come here to serve, but we also ask that you invite your neighborhood. You invite your coworkers. Go ahead and send that mass email, that mass text. Share it on social media. It's going to be a great night. I believe that there will be thousands of people that come onto our campus and we get a chance to show them the love of Jesus tonight. Night. So that's uh, uh, tonight at 5 p.m. for 7 p.m. Uh, you can dress up in your costumes. This is what we ask, though. Don't come up with anything kind of gory or graphic. Like, we don't do that. We believe in the Holy Ghost, not all the other stuff. So don't do none of the weird, the weird things. But please come tonight. It'll be a great event for the kids. We encourage you to be a part of it. Last but not least, we want to encourage you about Feed Dothan. This year, we're going to do things a little bit differently, and we're asking that you partner with us in purchasing a $25 gift card. We're going to have more details for that uh, at, uh, next Sunday or at a later date, but we encourage you to continue to be a part of what God is doing here. Amen? How many of you are blessed today? How many of you are blessed? The Lord has blessed you. Well, now is a part of the service where we get to give, and it's always an honor to give on uh, to the Lord and to the things that, this, that our church partners in. And you'll see on the screen that there are five ways to give. We would encourage you during this time, right before I pray, that if the Lord is prompting you in any of the things that we do at our church to partner in this vision, to be a part of what God is doing because we truly believe that we're going to see miracles happen as a result of our generosity as well as our service. So we ask that you do that. But right now I'm going to go ahead and pray and ask God that he be with us in this moment of worship. Father, thank you for every giver in this room. Thank you for those who, who are giving. Thank you for those who will give. And thank you for pricking the hearts of those that want to start giving. Father, we ask that you bless each seed that is sown into this ministry. Bless every person that in faith partners in this vision that you've given our pastors. Father, we love what you're doing here in Dothan, and our prayer is, is what it always will be. God, whatever you're doing, do it in Dothan first. Do it through your people. And everybody said, amen, amen. I want to invite you, if you can, if you'll stand up on your feet. And this is the part of service as we go back into our worship. Our elders are going to get ready to go to their various stations of prayer. These are your elders. And the reason we do this every single week is because we want to partner with you in praying for your needs. You notice that we have the prayer wall in the back and we've been writing prayer needs down and uh, we've been putting red hearts on those prayers that have been answered. I encourage you as you come in, I want you to look at the prayers that God has already answered. But we're believing that today that God's going to answer prayers. Amen. That he can do it right now in this moment. So the elders are there for you to touch and agree and believe in a prayer of faith of what you need. They're under this exit sign, under this exit sign and in the balcony. And as soon as I say amen and we go back into worship, if you're here today and you need a touch from God. We ask that you slip out of your seat and go receive prayer from our elders. Amen. Let's go ahead and continue this act of worship. If you'll lift your hands out as a sign of surrender. Father, thank you so much 
for what you're going to do in this house today. Thank you for what you're already doing in the hearts of people. Thank you for what you're doing in the hearts of people in the room and online. And Father, I'm praying that as you move today, as your spirit fills this place, as we give you praise, where you inhabit, Father, we're praying that there's a supernatural move, that we sense it, that there's a shift, that people know that something is taking place in the heavenlies. And we can only give you glory for it. And everybody said real loud, amen, amen.
God, we thank you for your presence today, Lord. We thank you that where your spirit is, God, there is freedom. God, we thank you that chains have to fall away in your presence, Lord. God, we thank you that when anyone is in Christ, the old is gone and the new has come. Lord, we thank you. Your perfect love casts out all fear today. God, we just see your glory in this place. Lord, we see your glory in every person. We see your glory in every chain that's been broken, every prayer that's been answered, God. And our prayer, God, is to continue to show us your glory, Lord. God, we love you. We give you all the glory for today. In Jesus' name. Anybody glad to be at church today? Amen. Go ahead and turn to somebody. Tell them you're glad to see them today, and you can be seated. As we try to find a rhythm amongst the noise of this world, tuning the strings of our soul to feel we have a place in this orchestra of life, we find sometimes that we get lost amongst the oceans of sound. We dance and move our way through it all to find meaning, just trying to fit into this place and the people around us. Doing this on our own, we find we lose the rhythm. It's only through the grace of God that we truly find our place in this world. When we walk alongside Christ, He fills us with purpose. Only then we truly find our rhythm as we join in His orchestra. We learn to move in sync with God and His plan for us all. Letting God use us, the noise of this world becomes faint and the rhythm of God becomes clear. Amen. How many are thankful for the unchanging love of God? Come on. Yeah. And can you give it up for those watching online right now? God bless you. Welcome. We're so glad that you're with us today. And if it's your first time online today connecting with us, I pray that if you're in the Wiregrass area, you find your way here to Dothan First, where you can feel the love not only of the Lord, but of the people that are here today. And would you take a moment, give it up for all those that are joining with us here in the building for the first time. God bless you. Welcome. We're so glad that you're here today. Welcome. And after this service, my wife, Michelle, and I would love to connect with you and give you a gift for hanging out with us today. Well, go ahead, grab your copy of God's Word. Say this with me. Say, I am what God's Word says I am. I can do what God's Word said I can do. I can become all that God said I could be. So today, I'll hear God's Word I'll receive God's word and I'll obey God's word because I love his word. Now turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, why is he wearing a jersey today? I don't get that at all. You'll get it before the end of it. Don't worry. And uh, Mike, I just want to say God bless you, my friend. Thank God for the great report. Uh, the PSA numbers are down and I'm so grateful to God we've been praying for that and you know there's a lot of needs that are represented among uh, the people of God here at this congregation many of them are written on the back wall at the prayer wall and and I really encourage you and invite you to partner with us to see miracles take place the way you participate in a miracle is you pray and you invite God's spirit the Bible talks about that the faith that, that, that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's that trust that God's got it in his power, in his control. And uh, I'm just so excited to hear of the testimonies of the things that God is doing, truly miraculous things that the Lord's doing. Listen, I, I, I think, yes, in many ways, we ought to be an expectant people. We ought to 
not be shocked when God is God, but I also think that we ought never take for granted the goodness of God and what he's doing in the house. Uh, there are people that are getting saved and healed and delivered and marriages are being restored and God is, God's doing something in the house, friends. And listen, I believe over these next few moments, I don't want to just teach you for the next few moments. I want to teach you for a lifetime some things that I believe is going to be absolutely transformational to your life. And... Um, the reason that I'm wearing a Cowboys jersey today, Michelle and I had the privilege when we were younger, when we first in ministry, we were in Texas, and um, uh, we were serving at a church, and we had only been there a short time. We got there around August, and but weirdly enough, the church was full, but by September, all of a sudden, this strange thing happened. It was like half the church was gone, and we went up to the pastor, having not really known the culture or understanding what occurred, thinking maybe that there was some sort of split that had, that had taken place, and uh, he said, no, there's another religion that happens, and this is the first day of the Cowboys playing, and, um, and I, I was shocked until I showed up in Alabama and realized there was a religion here too. And that's the reason why I'm choosing not to wear an Alabama or an Auburn or a Tennessee or a Georgia or a Florida or even a Michigan jersey today because the rivalries, dad, run deep. By the way, it's my dad's 77th birthday as of yesterday. Happy birthday to my dad. Still as sharp and as spry as he was in his 30s. Just so great. And, um, but, but when I think about these rivalries, one of the things that I've noted is that people can go just passing by in an airport, in an elevator. Uh, you can be in a different city, a different state, or even a different country. And, and literally, I've been in different countries where I've had on an Alabama shirt and someone has say, roll tide. It's the weirdest thing, or I'll have a Michigan shirt on, something, go blue, or you're stealing signs, or whatever it is that the latest controversy is when people actually start winning things, all of a sudden the controversy begins. Uh, I, I, you, if you're not into college football, that's fine, but I'm making jokes that are really important today. Anyway, <laughs> but rivalries run deep. I, I heard of an Alabama fan and a uh, and a Tennessee fan that they were fighting in a war together and they were both captured and they were supposed to both die by firing squad. It was a very sad moment, but they, the commander, the enemy commander asked the Tennessee fan first, do you have any last requests? And the Vol said, before I die, I just have one request. I want to sing my favorite fight song. I want to sing Rocky Top. Then the enemy commander looked at the Alabama fan and said, uh, do you have any last requests? And he said, yes, shoot me first. <laughs> so, I mean, we're talking about significant, deep rivalries. But there is something amazing to me that people that don't even know each other become either enemies or friends based on the team that they support. I mean, it's amazing how quick that rivalry is where they become instant enemies when they see somebody walking. There was a, a video years ago, a commercial uh, in, an, in a uh, retirement elderly facility of two elderly gentlemen, and one guy had an Alabama jersey on, and the other guy had an Auburn jersey on, and the Alabama jersey guy 
pushed over the guy in the walker that had the uh, Auburn jersey on. And all you see is, as he's walking away, a big smile on the Alabama guy's face as he's walking away. There's such rivalry and it goes so deep, but there is something else that takes place when you see someone who's identifying with the same team. When you're on the same team, with the same purpose, with the same goal, even, listen, even if you are not on the team, if you never went to that school, if you never had any alignment to that school, if you never sent anybody to that school, but you just happen to like the football program or the baseball program or something that they're doing, all of a sudden there's a team identification that makes you feel like we are one in this thing. We're family. Matter of fact, they make shirts that say, we are family. And I have to tell you that each one of us today in this room are wearing a shirt, a jersey, if you will, of identification that we are here at Dothan First partnering on the same team around one aligned purpose, and that is Jesus Christ, Him crucified, and the purposes that He has for our life is to win the world to Jesus Christ. And all we've been talking about for the last number of weeks and really even months has been the purpose the purpose of life. Purpose matters, friends. You can live and die with no purpose. It's the biggest tragedy that you could ever have. And so to have purpose, to have meaning for your life, to actually mean something, you have to know what God's purpose is and then align with that purpose. And we've made it super clear. It's crystal clear in scriptures to love God and love people. All the Bible can be summed up really in those four words. All the commands and the prophets, Jesus said, hang on those two commands. Love God and love people. So how do we do that well? Well, God gave us a divine strategy in order to do that. And we've been talking about the divine strategy, the, the, the purposes of our life and how to fulfill them come through these divine strategies. And the very first one is worship, right? We love the Lord, uh, our God, with all our heart. That, that's it's Old Testament and New Testament is crystal clear. Put God first in everything, in, in your time, in your talent, in your treasure. You give unto God everything because he's worth it all. And then the second thing that we've learned that's really clear about our divine strategy is that we connect to others in the family of God, and that's called fellowship. And it's important that we forsake not the assembling together, that we come together, that we connect together. We need each other. Turn to your neighbor and say, I need you. <laughs> we need each other. That's called fellowship. Last week, I talked about growing spiritually. We got to grow up. It's time to grow up. Be mature, people. Be, be the godly men and women that God calls us to be. And then the fourth purpose that I want to talk to you about today is simply called ministry. Ministry is where we serve, where we give of ourselves, where we contribute, where we give something back. Serving God by serving others, that's called ministry. Not everyone will be a pastor, but everyone is a minister that calls on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're a minister. You're a minister of the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And Jesus, out of all the things that he could have prioritized in his leadership on his last days here on earth, he chose to create the priority of his leadership around one significant act that happened at the table called the Last Supper. Jesus is there at the, what we call the Last Supper, in the, the, the kind of the culmination of the Passion Week, right before Jesus is about to go to the cross 
And the Bible says that Jesus knew was what was about to take place. It was crystal clear. But out of all the things that he could have put on the bucket list to do before he died, right? Like we think about before I die, I want to do this big thing or that big thing, or I want to have this big moment. But friends, Jesus chose to put at the top of his bucket list before he dies to serve. The master, the savior serving. Let's look at it together in John chapter 13. And I'm going to take a moment to read a rather lengthy passage of Scripture. But I think it's important that you get the text in context here. I want you to, matter of fact, I want you to put yourself at the table today. If you're going to learn something that's going to be transformational, I want you to insert yourself at the table today at the Lord's Supper with the disciples because we are His disciples. We're the body of Christ. We are the the, the kingdom believers, right? We're the followers of Christ. We're the Christians, the Christians. We're believers. So now let's put ourselves at the table with these disciples. 2,000 years ago, the Bible talks about that Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave the world and go to the Father. So let's look at it. John chapter 13, and let's, let's look at verse 2. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son, the, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. You can be sitting at the table for three years with somebody who's real close to you and not even realize the enemy's already getting ready to use them. Let's keep reading. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. Everybody say his power. Okay, so this is not a moment of weakness. This is the moment where he has true all power and authority. The Bible said that God had now given him all power, all authority. The Father had gifted him. It was all under his power. And had come from God and now was returning to God. So he got up from the meal and looked at his fellow disciples and said, Boys, I got all the power. So everybody come kneel at my feet and and just worship me. Everybody get on the ground. Get low. Because I am here, I am the one worthy of worship. See, that's what I would expect would come after the sentence of receiving power. As a matter of fact, that's what happens often in society. When people get power, they don't just get power, they get power hungry. They get a little and they want more. It's never enough. It never satisfies. It's not Snickers. Anyway. Let's keep reading. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, this is his robe, and wrapped a towel around his waist, so he's taking the form of a servant. After that, he poured water into the basin and began to wash, listen to this, wash his disciples' feet. Now, if you're sitting at the table like I explained that you should symbolically put yourself in the story, insert yourself into the message, Jesus the master, the Messiah, the healer, the miracle worker is now among you. He's about to die. It's his last act here, one of his last acts here on earth. You're seated beside him and all of a sudden he takes the form of a servant And he starts to wash your dirty, nasty, stinky, toe-jam-filled feet with your bunions and corns. He starts washing your feet. It says, and drying them with the towel he wrapped around him. And he came to Simon, 
Simon Peter, who said to him, like all of us probably would say, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Now, up to this point, we're assuming that Simon Peter wasn't the first one to have his feet washed. So he'd already seen him wash other feet. So he's like, you can do that for everybody else, but just don't do that to me. Are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't realize now what I'm doing, but later you're going to understand. No, said Peter. I love this. He's a little indignant. He's a little really pushy at this point. He's telling, he's telling the master what to do and not to do. And I understand his plight. I feel the same way. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, then Lord Simon Peter replied, hey, give me a bath then. Like, I really want to be with you. Unless, listen, he says, he says he replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet, right? You, you understand that culturally speaking, uh, when people, their mode of transportation was walking, they had a lot of dust. It wasn't like they walked on, you know, cement uh, floors and they walked on, uh, you know, roadways that were created back in those days. So there was a lot of dust and dirt on their feet. And it was customary that they would have those, those sandals taken off and a servant might wash their feet. But apparently, no one was willing to take on the form of a servant, so Jesus decided to do it. Jesus was forced into a mold, a, a mold that was never really, in my opinion, created for Christ. It was meant for all the disciples to pick up on Jesus humility and wash Jesus' feet. But instead, they all sat there eating with dirty feet. Let's keep reading. He says, but you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew, everybody say he knew. He knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said that all of you are clean. And he finished washing their feet and he put his back on his robe and he returned to his place. And then he said, do you understand what I've done for you? He said, you call me teacher and Lord, rightly so, for that is who I am. So he knows who he is. He says, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set for you an example. Everybody say an example. An example that you should do as I have done for you, verily, truly, or very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is his messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you hear about it on a Sunday morning at Dothan First. You'll be blessed if you talk about it, think about it, rationalize over it, get yourself educated about it, think experientially what it might look like. No, what does it say? You will be blessed if you, if you do them, if you do it. He's washing the disciples' feet. I want you to get this picture in your mind of Jesus. It's, 
absolutely mind-boggling, mind-blowing to me that Jesus in this moment is washing feet and we're now all around the table with the disciples and everybody's taking off their sandals sheepishly as he's washing feet and now he gets to Judas and if I were Jesus knowing what had transpired, I would have broke that dude's foot. I'd have turned it and twisted it. This little piggy went to market and this little piggy stayed home. And this one went wee, wee, wee all the way home. Oh, don't look at me like with your halo like you would not do. Come on, somebody. He's bathing the feet of his betrayer. He's bathing the feet of the backstabber. He's serving the spy. Think about this. He's serving the sellout and the scoundrel, and he's washing the feet of his disciple who would later be responsible for nailing Jesus' feet. Think of this. Then Jesus did something before he washed the feet that's actually pretty amazing. If you check the text and you understand the context within it, you see that he took off his robe that outer garment, that outer robe. I want you to think about the robe that Jesus laid aside. He laid aside a garment that just the fringe of it healed a woman who had an issue of blood for years and years and every other doctor couldn't figure out what was wrong with her. And she went to every doctor and spent all her money. And all she came up with with was symptoms that were worse than before. And Jesus, not even realizing what was about to take place, it was one of the few miracles you find in Scripture where he didn't intentionally heal. He didn't say the word. He didn't touch the head. It, It was almost as though... It caught him off guard that his robe carried with it such authority, such power in it that the faith of the woman grabbing at just the hem, just the fringe would heal her. And Jesus immediately turned and said, who touched me? Power just went out from me. He had all that power and all that authority. He's wearing it in his earthly garment, his robe representing his righteous authority. And he decides to lay it aside, to humble himself, to wash some dirty feet. He takes up a towel and he sets down his title. I wonder how many of us in this room watching online or those of us in Christianity in general are willing to lay down our title and take up a towel. The Bible said, and Jesus said, that you will one day understand what this means. And so the disciples may not have understood it when it was taking place, but Jesus said clearly that you will one day understand it. And now, 2,000 years later, we better understand it as believers. If we're going to go up, we must go down and humble ourselves. Jesus is saying you serve your way to satisfaction. You serve your way to success. Friends, what are you willing to lay aside like Jesus did? Your time, 
You're willing to lay aside your time, set aside time to serve. It's not easy. It takes work. Most of you have full-time jobs. Totally understand. You're making money. You're, 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 you're serving your employ, employer, right? I get that. I understand that. You're serving your spouse, serving your kids maybe. Have you found time to serve God? I'm asking you, have you found the time? Have you made the time? Have you strategized to create the time to serve the living God? Taking a towel and serving. Are you willing to give over your talent, right? The things that God's gifted you with. You know that God gave you your talent for more than just making money. He gave you that talent so you could make a difference. And that service that you're giving, that service that you're providing is way more significant than you may understand if you will be willing to submit and serve and give of your talent. Are you willing to give your treasure? The Bible says where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And often those of us in in the room that uh, we say that God is our priority, but we choose not to give. We hold on to money like it's ours. But friends, when you die, it's not yours anymore. That means it's only on loan from God for a short period of time. And what you do with it, God is tracking. He He tracks it better than the banking system does. He's watching what you do with your time and your talent and your treasure. He's watching it all to see what will you do? What will you do with your titles? The Bible says that the religious all love their titles. They walked around spewing and spouting their titles to make sure everybody knew who they were. In the religious community, it was a placement of honor to make sure that everyone knows who you are. Friends, are you willing to cast off the robes of righteousness that we somehow think that are significant in the body of Christ? (laughs) Friends, we're all level at the foot of the cross. We are sinners saved by grace. We have been given the greatest greatest picture of, of our salvation is the sacrifice of Christ where he laid down his titles and he took up a towel. Are you willing, friends, to lay down your temperament? I know many of us in this room over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking specifically about that, that if you, if you love God, you gotta love people too. And we think that our personality is everything when in reality our, our personality is submitted to Christ. Your background, the way you were raised and the way you grew up and what you uh, feel is acceptable because of your heritage or because of your burning passion or whatever it is you think, your temperament still must be submitted to the Spirit of God. That's where we find true success. And selfish people, friends, what I found is serving people are successful, but selfish people are miserable. They're miserable. The serving people, according to the word that we just read, are happy and blessed. Jesus is talking to his disciples, this group of people that have been arguing over who's first in line. Who's next in line? Jesus is going to die. Well, then I'm next up. I want to be the one. I'm going to be the one. Can I sit on your right? Can I sit on your left? Can I be the biggest? Can I be the baddest? Can I be the best? 
Can I take the rulership? Can I take the authority? Can I be the best of all? Everyone wants to get something. No one wants to give anything. And Jesus is about to die, and they're arguing about who's going to be first. I've seen it happen, friends. As a pastor, officiating funerals, where these family members, the, the person has just died, they're, they're in the casket in front of them and they're arguing over a, a watch that somebody left or a, a, a picture that somebody had or the money that were, was given. Friends, do you think the person that's in the casket really cares at this point who gets what? It's all about taking and it, and it happens before, well before the funeral, it happens in families all the time. A, a, a selfish man marries a selfish woman. They produce a selfish child, right? And they don't teach the child that, that serving is appropriate, that serving is all, really that all about life, really to learn is that serving is significance. And so what happens is we raise a generation that becomes entitled and thinks that all they have to do is eat and nobody has to prepare a meal. And when they get out of the real world, they're starving and angry at the world because they thought that they, owe, they were owed a living. And this is trickling down into the body of Christ. No one's contributing. Let me ask you the question, what purpose do you serve? We're talking about purpose matters. What purpose are you really serving? Like, what do people get when they get you? I want you to think about that. What do people, maybe this is a better question to ask. What would people lose if they lost you? What would people miss if you're not there? You need to live in such a way where people miss you when you're gone, <laughs> right? I can just tell you, just my presence in the house gives my wife so much comfort and safety she can actually sleep at night. It's the truth. When I'm away, she doesn't sleep well. I may not look like much, but I apparently will stop any robber, an onslaught of guns, ammunition, knives, or anything anyone would try to come up against me. My wife sleeps great when I'm home and terrible when I'm gone. Why? Because I bring something to the table. <laughs> Better know it, girl. Yeah. I bring a lot more than that, but I'm not going to talk about that today. I'm saying, listen, let me tell you something, friends. What do you bring to the table? My daughter's Future husbands are going to hate me. You want to know why? Because I've served those little girls so well and loved them so well and told them how beautiful they are and how amazing they are, how much I love them. Every time they walk by me in a hallway, they pass by me. They already know before I'm going to say what I'm about to say, I tell them I love them. They know it's coming. And those future spouses better get on their game. Because those girls know what it's like to have a man that's willing to serve. I've served those girls breakfast in bed when they weren't sick. Let me tell you, I've taught them how to serve. What do you bring to the table? What would people miss if you weren't there? Do you serve in such a way? Think about this. I really want you to ponder this. Do you serve in such a way that when you're not there, you're missed? I just really want you to think about that. Friends, if you can leave a church 
and people don't notice you're gone, then I'm convinced you weren't contributing. Don't get mad and upset and angry if you leave a church and you're gone three weeks or a month. You say, nobody called me. Well, nobody called you because you don't contribute nothing to nobody. Don't nobody know you? <laughs> hey, we love you as a pastoral team, as leadership, as, as, as caregivers. We do our best as elders and, and, and as deacons and as people that are in ministry leadership to try to serve you well and love you well and get connected to you and get to know you well and to, uh, make room to, to let your gift shine and show. And we want you to be a part of the team and we want you to be part of the ministry. We want you to make that connection. But friends, can I just tell you, you can't get mad at people if you leave and nobody misses you. You have to take into account whether or not you're truly serving. Are you contributing so little to the body of Christ that when you're not there, people don't even notice? That's when you know you've been attending and not serving. That's when you know that you've been a, a spectator and not a contributor. I really want you to think that, about this and get this in your spirit. When we get to church, instead of spending so much time contemplating on, what, uh, on finding your seat, we've got to contemplate on finding our serve, picking our place where we can make a difference, where we can make a difference in the world. Friends, selfish people don't serve. <laughs> they want to be served. And not only do they want to be served, but they're really good at critiquing how well you serve or don't serve them. They are the Yelp reviewers. I'm not saying if you've ever done a Yelp review, that's, you know, you're not a contributor. I'm just saying. Jesus described real leadership as servant leadership. There's no leadership without service. And there's no service without sacrifice. If Jesus, the Lord, the Messiah could kneel down, take off his outer robe that represented his authority, had healing power, and kneel down and just look in the face of his betrayer and wash feet. Are we better than the master? Are we better than Jesus? Are you bigger and better and better than God? There's so many conversations now worldwide, but especially in the United States of America, about power and prestige, prominence and position. Nobody talks about serving or sacrifice or submission. But Jesus said you'd be happy, you'd be blessed if you serve, if you contribute. The happiest moments in life will not be what you get, but when you give. I promise. What are you doing with your time and with your energy and with your, with, with your effort? Let me ask you, is there a purpose in your life that's greater than getting? Think about it. Is there a purpose in your life that's greater than getting? Jesus said serving requires sacrifice, but it will bring you satisfaction. Giving without the expectation of getting is true happiness. That's where it comes from. And we all crave significance. We want it. We want our lives to matter. We want, them to, we want them to have meaning. We want at the end of our life when someone stands up and gives the eulogy that they actually say something that's meaningful. And we're writing our eulogy every day by who we serve, by what we give. 
by how we sacrifice because significance comes from service. Friends, significance doesn't come from salary or success, come from uh, significance or status, come from significance. No, it comes from serving. Significance comes from serving. Jesus said if you give your life away, you'll, you'll figure out what it truly means to live. And I believe that giving is, an, is actually the cre- creating an atmosphere of worship. When you give your life to God, when you give your tithes or your offerings to God, when you give of yourself to serving God and serving others, friends, that's an atmosphere of worship. And maybe that's the, the hardship or the problem across the country with worship. And again, I'm talking specifically now about an American church. I, I don't live in other countries, but I do live here. So this is my assignment Maybe that's why we have to pry people to get them to worship, to raise their hands, to sing a new song unto the Lord, to clap their hands, to make a joyful noise. Maybe that's the reason we haven't created an atmosphere of worship because we're so self-centered that we can't become God-centered at that point, right? We're so self-focused that we can't be Christ-focused. We're creating an atmosphere of worship by what we give, That's why it doesn't matter what song is being sung. It doesn't even matter if they're playing it off key, and they don't. (laughs) And I appreciate the, the hard work that goes in and the excellence that they provide in creating atmospheres of worship and excellence in in uh in their instruments and in their vocals. But friends, if if somebody gets up here and sings acapella, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. We got to have our hands lifted. We got to have our hearts lifted. We got to have an atmosphere where we're giving. We come to the church to give, not to get. And Jesus is describing this with his disciples. Romans chapter 12. Let's look at this. Let's start at verse 4. It says, just as our bodies have many parts, each part has a special function, meaning each one of you in this room has something special to contribute, something unique, like the piece of a puzzle. And so it is, the Bible says, with Christ's body, talking about us. He's not talking about the physical body now of Jesus. He's talking about the, uh, the uh, if you will, the symbolic body of Christ, which is each member, each of us. He says, we're many parts of one body, but we belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. Everybody say, I do something well. <laughs> Yeah, you do something well. You may not do everything well. You may not do what your neighbor does well, but you do something well. And he says with those things, verse 11, let's skip down. Verse 11, let's look at it together. Never be lazy. Never be lazy. But what does it say? Work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Everybody say work hard and serve. Turn to your neighbor and say, look, work, look right in the eyes. Say, work hard and serve. That's, that's, the, that's the cost of discipleship. In the kingdom of God, that means there's no sideline sitters. I realize in teams across the country that are playing football during this time, there are a lot of people, there are more players sitting on the bench than there are in the game. And I really get that. But friends, there is no room for sideline sitters in the kingdom of God. He says, we all have a purpose. We all have a function. We all have a talent, a gift, an ability. We've got to use what God's given us. And if you choose not to use what God's given you, the Bible says you are unfruitful and lazy. How could you receive so much sunlight 
and so much water and so much nutrition and choose never to produce. It's called producing fruit, friends. Everyone can do something. God has given you certain special, specific talents and gifts and abilities that he chose to give you uniquely. Outside of any other human on the planet, he gave you those unique things that you could use them for his purpose. And God fortunately put us all on the same team. So whether you like the person sitting next to you or not, they're a teammate of yours. It's not your job to be in competition with them. They are not your competition. The enemy, the Satan, the enemy of your soul. It, it, that, the people out in the world that are being drawn in by Satan's uh, web, that, that's our competition, friends. The person next to us or seated beside us, their title, their role, their gift, their ability. I am not jealous of you and you are not jealous of me. We all have a place, a part to play in the body of Christ. I don't care if you're a kicker or a quarterback. And friends, let me tell you something. I know quarterbacks get a lot of the credit for wins and losses, and I appreciate that. But if a wide receiver runs the wrong route and the quarterback throws where he's supposed to, but the wide receiver isn't going the right direction, you still lose the game. And guess what? Even the kicker. I mean, half the games, it seems, those close ones all come down to the kicker. That poor kicker. It could be the hold is bad, the laces were in, it could have been any reason why he didn't kick it right, but man, they will crucify a kicker when the quarterback had all game to win. Come on, somebody. No blockers, Colorado. Anyway, I'm just saying. <laughs> Those of you sports fanatics, you're catching a lot of what I'm saying today. I'm throwing a lot of stuff your way. That's why we've created next week the day to discover, the grow track. The grow track for three weeks is to help you develop your divine design, your, the talents and gifts and abilities, the spiritual gifts that you may not even know you have. I've seen people that are 60 years old and after they take some of these assessments, they, a light bulb goes up over their head. They're like, I didn't even know I possessed the spiritual gift. I've been operating in it for years, but I didn't realize it. It's beautiful when you find out your divine design. And so we create three weeks of a grow track so you can get connected to both the mission and ministry of Dothan First, but you could also find out why God put you on the earth and who God created you to be. And the reason we're creating this accelerated version of the day to discover is I've been teaching a lot of this process of what we talk about in grow track. So I don't have to repeat everything. You've been here and you've watched it. You've heard it. The heartbeat of God. Our calling, our divine design is to use the gifts God gave us, those unique things, and give them to God. Use them for his glory. So whatever it is that God's placed in your life, right? right the desires you have, what you love to do, what you're shaped to do, to serve others, whether it's working with numbers or working with people or working with words or music or whatever it might be. God's gifted you. Use it for his purpose. God didn't just put you on the earth to consume, you know, to take up space and die. Otherwise, he might as well have brought you to heaven already, right? He, he put you on the earth not just to consume, but to contribute. And God wants you to learn how to be unselfish and generous to serve others. First Peter chapter 4, verse 10, God has given each of us some special abilities. Now, here's what he says. 
Be sure to use them, not for yourself, not to make money, although those are fine things. Be sure to use them to help. Everybody say, use them to help. Use them to help each other. Think about that, to help other people. Whatever you're good at, mechanically or musically, or if you're good at preparing a meal, do it for the kingdom's value. Be a contributor to serve. You're a minister. Now minister to people. Right? The word service and the word ministry are are synonymous in the Gospels. The Bible tells us we got to serve God by serving others. How do you practice serving a God that's invisible? (laughs) You serve other people on His behalf. That's how you do it. We're all servants of the Most High God, right? You're not created to be selfish. You're created to serve. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, if the worship team would come as we prepare to close. God made us who we are, and in Christ Jesus, God made us in order. Here's how he, why he made us, in order to do good works. And not just that, he said those works were planned in advance for you. He says they were planned in advance for us to live our lives doing. Life is like a volleyball game, friends. As long as you're serving, you're winning. Five people play volleyball in the room that understand what that is. You know, you know what causes spiritual stagnation? Is when you take in, but you never give out. My parents years ago brought us to Israel, and when we were there in Israel, I had the opportunity, uh, opportunity to see two distinct bodies of water that are relatively close together. It's the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea. Both of them connected and have unique purposes, but the Sea of Galilee is beautiful. It's got green grass all around it. It's teeming with life. There's fish in there. There's still commercial fishing that takes place there. It's, it's a unique thing, and the Jordan River connects the two, but the Sea of Galilee is so different from the Dead Sea. The, de- the Dead Sea I actually went swimming in, and I say swimming, I'll just put in you know, air quotes, because you don't swim in the Dead Sea, you float. You can't sink in the Dead Sea. There's so much salt and minerals that are there, the salt content. Nothing is living in the Dead Sea. And the only difference really between the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea is the Sea of Galilee takes in from the, the water from the mountains and then gives out to the Jordan River. The Dead Sea takes in water but never gives it out. And so it is in the body of Christ. So it is with you. You can, friends, become a dead sea, spiritually speaking, spiritual stagnation when you take and you take and you take and you feed and you feed and you feed and you dine and you dine and you dine, but you never do anything with what you've been given. James, the Bible says, talks about that. Are you a doer of the word or a hearer only? God designed you to do good works. That's your ministry. Now, you need to find out what that ministry is and then go do it. Go serve to help other people, to make a contribution, to make an impact, to be a world changer, to make a difference in this life. You need to to, to discover and use what God's given you. Friends, serving is a responsibility, but it also brings fulfillment. And you've got to understand, the Bible says, even giving a cup of cold water in my name, Jesus says, even the smallest act of service, giving a cup of cold water in my name, he says, I'll reward you for it. He says, if you've done it to the least of these, you've done it unto me, Jesus said. So think about it. 
And I know there's a lot of areas to serve within the local church, of course, right? There's children's ministry and youth ministry and there's tech ministry and there's uh, first impressions and, you know, maybe a greeting out in the hallway or maybe on stage in, in the worship department. Maybe technically you're, you're good and gifted at web design or at social media or whatever it is. I, I don't know what you're good at, but there's plenty of places to serve. And then outside the building, there's plenty of ways that we serve our community by giving. And, and even tonight, just being a part to serve others, to love others, to be a smiling face, to be a hand, the hands of Jesus extended to somebody in our community who may never darken the doors of our church, but they'd be willing to give it a shot if they meet enough people who represent Jesus well. Think about the people right now, I, I think about it often, that are serving in our, our nursery area, our kids first junior, and the sacrifice they make to come in early and make sure everything's taken care of. Invite your kids who you think are angels, but secretly, come on somebody. Come on. You're like, here's my kid. <laughs> You back away like it's, like it's an angry dog. <laughs> no, but they're, listen, they're preaching as good a message as I'm preaching right now. Why? Because they're allowing you to be here and you can hear what God is trying to say to you because someone is serving. Think about these areas. Now, I realize there's some churches that, man, I, I get it. You get into a, a ministry of service and I swear to you, it'd be easier to get out of a timeshare or get jumped out of a gang than it would be to move out of that ministry. I, I, I understand there's churches like that. Like, we're the Titanic, come sink with us. You know what I'm saying? That's not how we function here. We function as an atmosphere of serving the King and using the gifts and talents and abilities that God's given us to lovingly give ourselves away and contribute. That's the heartbeat of this house. But I want you to discover and do well what God's gifted you with. Because friends, God's not looking for just church membership. God's looking for church partnership. I've got a membership at a local gym. And guess what? I can pay my little fee. Matter of fact, I don't even have to worry about paying it. They'll take it out whether I show up or not. They'll take their money whether I show up or not. They could care less if I show up or I don't. And if I walk in as a member, I can expect the best I can walk up there and say, hey, I don't like that there's paper on the ground. Somebody needs to pick that up. Somebody didn't wipe off that machine. It's sweaty and stinky. Somebody's got to do that. The sink wasn't working. The toilet wasn't working. Something's wrong here. I'm a member. I pay my really expensive $10 to have perfection in this place. Sometimes that's what membership creates, the atmosphere of membership. But do you know if I was a partner, if I was a co-owner of that gym, friends, let me tell you something. I would show up early. I would stay late. I would make sure I got a smile on my face even when I had a bad day. I'd be wiping down stinky machines even if I wasn't the one that put the sweat there. I'd be picking up the paper and fixing the toilets and making sure everybody had a good time. Why? Because I'm no longer just a member, but I'm a partner. And God is looking for partnership in the kingdom of God where it costs something to be a disciple of Christ, where we're growing in the kingdom value. We're serving. We're giving away what we've been given. You've been given a lot those of you who have been given much and blessed 
with so much talent, so much time, so much treasure. God says, to whom much is given, much is required. Let us be people that are not better than the master Jesus, but like our master Jesus, who's willing to humble ourselves, take up a towel, kneel down, say, God, I offer you what I have. Even if I can just get good at washing feet, I give you everything. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, today, we take this moment of reflection and ownership and we realize that what you've given us, we need to be willing to give away. Our time, our talent, and our treasure is something that we are, that is on loan from you. And we thank you for the good gifts you've given us. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. And we take that and we say thank you for it. And we're blessed by it. And we're thankful that uh, we're able to provide a home or food on the table or those things that you've helped us to establish. God, I thank God for hard workers in the house that have given of themselves to make a good business or to, to work hard to receive promotions or whatever they may have received from your hand. But it all comes from you. And now, God, I pray that we would take what we've been given and be responsible with it. We would give, we would sow, we would serve so that we might find success and fulfillment. That we could truly be seen as a contributor and that when you take us from this life, that we will surely be missed by many because we served well. Would you keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed for just a moment? There may be some in this room. You'd say, Mark, I need Jesus to come into my life and be the Lord and Savior of every area. And I recognize in this room there's a lot of needs and a lot of hurts, a lot of wounds. And for some of you in this room, those wounds run really deep. Maybe you've had disappointments in your life, discouragement, moments where people in the church, a, a, a church, may not be this church, but in a church wounded you or hurt you and maybe it's it's made you feel unsafe to serve maybe you felt apprehensive about being willing to give your time talent and treasure because what you found is that you served in an unsafe place and they abused you but today friend God's creating a value system of safety to say serving will bring success. But if you're in this house today and you'd say, Mark, I need Jesus to come into my life. I need to make him Lord and Savior of every area. I'm not here to judge you. It's not my heart to embarrass you. I simply want to invite you into relationship with Jesus Christ, the one who paid it all for you. You don't have to work to get salvation, friends. That is not earned or deserved. He gives it as a free gift. If there's sin that's separating you from God, if there's places in your life that are out of alignment with God's plan and purpose for your life, if you've gone against his word or his will for your life, then friends, the Bible talks about repentance. It's simply a willful decision to make Jesus Lord over every area and choose to follow him. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, if that's you and you say, Mark, I just want you to include me in this prayer today. I want to make sure that I know that I know that I know that Jesus is the Lord of my life, that heaven would be my home, 
if I were to leave this earth, if that's you in this room, would you just slip up your hand, acknowledging by the raised hand mark, that's me, all over this place. Yes, God bless you. Yes, 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 yes. God bless you over here. Yes, God bless you. Yeah, God bless you. Over here, God bless you. Anyone else? Yeah, God bless you. Yes. Many hands that are lifted. God bless you. You can put your hands down. I know there's some of you in this room. You've been serving the Lord for years. And maybe you've kind of taken a back seat and you've just decided, you know, I did my time. Friends, there's no such thing in the kingdom of God. If you still have breath in your lungs, if you, you still have service in your body, then there's room for you. I'm inviting you today, all of us in this room that are believers, but you'd say, Mark, I'm stepping up to serve. And I'm not even asking about this church or specifically in some ministry area. This is not an infomercial for the service of this church. It's serving the kingdom of God. But if you have something to contribute, you'd say, Mark, I've used it for so many other things, but I'm not, I feel like I'm taking a step forward to contribute. As a Christian, as a believer, I'm taking a step ahead. I'm gonna gonna keep serving, I'm gonna keep serving. Would you put up your hands all over this place? I'm gonna serve. Yeah, that's, that's you today. I'm gonna serve. I'm choosing to serve willfully. God, I, I, I give my hand as a proof positive that I want to be a doer and not just a hearer. God bless you. So many hands lifted. Most, most of the congregation lifted your hands just now. God bless you. You can put your hands down. I'm going to invite you into a simple prayer. I'm going to invite everyone in this room and those watching online. Would you pray this prayer out loud after me? Simply say this. Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sins. I repent. For all I've done wrong, I believe that you died and rose again for me. I make you Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for changing me. I choose to trust you with every area of my life. Now fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can you stand up all over this place? Give God praise. Come on. Come on. Let's worship the King together. Come on. Worship team, would you lead us? church. (laughs) Here's the word that God says is the one that never changes, changes everything. So today, whatever circumstance or situation that you may be in today where you need a healing touch in your body, 
Maybe you need a miracle from God. Maybe you've said, this relationship that, that I'm in is out of control. My marriage is struggling, whatever it might be. Or maybe it's a wayward child and you've been praying for years and you feel like there's absolutely positively no hope. Friends, the one that never changes, friends, is here to change the situation. He knows how to, in unshakable times, give you the firm foundation of faith that you need to stand in agreement with his word that says yes and amen. And I want to release uh, over you a prayer. And in just a moment, uh, I, I want to... Matter of fact, I'm going to release some of our leadership team. If you want to head back toward our, uh, we have a special area of greeting, a guest reception that we've got created, and we want to make sure that they get back there in time to, uh, to be there to properly greet you. But before I dismiss, I'm going to do two things. The first one is I'm going to pray over you. If that word was for you and you'd say, Mark, that's me, I've been in really shaky circumstances and I need the unshakable God to come in and change everything. I want you to know he heard your prayer, he heard your cry and that prophetic word is for you today. So I wanna, uh, I'm gonna first pray that over you and then I'm gonna release you with a blessing and I'm gonna invite you back five to seven this evening for our outreach, four o'clock if you can come in early and just serve in some capacity to show up in, in the back lot here and, and uh, you'll need to park out front, preferably on the grass. Uh, everybody hear that? As many as can park on the grass so that those who are coming to receive can go ahead and park in the areas that are designated, okay? Can you help us with that? So that we give them the premium spaces, that would be so helpful, thank you for that. But I wanna first pray over you and then I'm gonna release you with a blessing. Lord Jesus, I pray for those that they need that prophetic word today. That the unchanging God changes everything. So today, God, for that one who, or two or three or 10 or 50 that might need that prophetic word, God, that profound word, I pray would go deep in their heart that it would give them a sense of the power and majesty of our mighty God and that, that, that in comparison, their problem would seem so small, they'd realize how big you are. We receive that word now by faith in our own lives, in our own situation. Jesus, you change everything. Now, Lord, for those here today who are struggling, Lord, in even their, their foundation of faith, I pray they dig deep into your word and then not just to receive, but rather to give. May we give from what we've been given because to whom much is given, much is required. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance on you and bring you peace. And may the Lord our God write his name on your heart and declare you're my child. No one can take you from my hand. May you know the love of your Savior that came and died for you and rescued you. And may you give that love away to as many people as humanly possible. I bless you to be a blessing to your family and your friends and your coworkers and those you're connected to on social media. I bless you to be a blessing that that blessing from God may be given away freely that others may know Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. I bless you to be a blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Did you get anything out of today? 
Hey, I pray you did. God bless you. We love you. Have a Jesus-filled rest of the week. We'll see you either tonight or Wednesday or next Sunday. God bless you. You're dismissed.